0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you would please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's look at verse number 16, beginning at verse 16. We read here, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe it is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, Uh, Unto them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep unto my body, and I bring it unto, into subjection, Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have. Teach us your word today, I pray. Fill us with your spirit, that we might understand the things that that we that we study from your word. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. We ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about <clears throat> the judgment of the saints. We've been looking at the different areas of our Christian existence, our Christian life, that that the Lord will examine at this judgment seat. We looked at how we control the old man, the old nature, the flesh. We studied how we treat the brethren. The Lord will examine how we treat one another, how we how we love one another. Thirdly, he he's going to examine how we discharge our authority, the authority husbands over wives, uh, parents over children, and and so forth, he's going to look at that and see, did we do all that we should do? Did we do all that we could do uh, to to glorify him? He's going to, we said, fourthly, he's going to look at how we use our talents uh, and the different skills that God has given us. Uh, Fifthly, how we use our time. And uh, most people don't think of time in respect to uh, a gift from God. God has given us time and how we use that time. Uh, what we do with that time is important and he will look at it and did we waste it? Did we use it on ourselves, or did we, did we use the time he gave us to, to glorify and serve him? Uh, then we looked last time at how we handle trials and we know that trials come. Uh, in every Christian's life he faces trials and, and, and sorrows and heartaches and disappointments and all these things. And, and God is going to look at what did we do? during those times of trials. How did we how did we handle things? Did we trust him? Did we did we depend upon him? Did we rely on him? Or did we just take things into our own hand and, and and make things even worse at times? So he's going to look at all these things. Well today, number seven, I want us to look at he's going to examine how we run our race for Christ. How we run our race for Christ. Let's let's turn together. We we were just you might want to leave a marker in 1 Corinthians, because we're going to come back to this a couple of times. But let's go to Hebrews chapter twelve. These are very familiar scriptures. And uh, not scriptures that we, we do not know, but I want us to just look at them. Hebrews chapter twelve and look at verse one. We read here, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now there are so many directions I could go this morning in talking about our race for Christ. There, that literally, I could I could, I could compose and preach probably thousands of sermons from this these two verses of Scripture. Uh, but today I want us to look at the practicalities of this race in which we run. How many of you have ever participated in some kind of race? Raise your hand. Uh, I know Brian, run, you used to run marathons, right? Triathlon. Triathlon. Um, did you run track in high school? Or, yeah, yeah, I did. I did also. The only reason I went into track in high school, though, wasn't because I loved running. It was because I was on the football team, and when football season was over, they said you got to you got to have another sport. Otherwise, we got to enroll you in a, in a class. Now, I didn't want to take another class, so I said, "Well, what are my options?" They said, "Well, baseball, which I didn't like, or, or track and field." I said, "Well, I'll take a shot at track and field." So I went there and. And uh, they, they, they uh, gave me some tasks to do. And, and so I, I ran in track. I didn't love it. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I did it out of necessity. Um, but I wasn't passionate about racing. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in America today who claim to be Christians who aren't very passionate about races either. They're not very passionate about this race that we are in. This race, by the way, which... which um, the writer of Hebrews says, is set before us. And uh, so racing is not very popular. But, why do you race? Do what? To win. Yeah, yeah. The Olympics are cool. I love the Olympics. And the Summer Olympics are, are going to be here soon. And there'll be track and field events. I love track and field events. I like to watch them. I don't like to participate in them, but I like to watch them. And... Uh, You'll have uh, men from all over the world running the 100 meters, for instance, and there'll be several heats, and and they'll, they'll race against each other and whittle it down to seven or eight men for the final race. And all those races and all that training and all those things are done to do what? To win. To win the gold medal. Because they're competing against each other. Well, the uniqueness of our race as Christians is we're not competing against each other. I'm not competing against Brian. Brian's not competing against Bob. Bob's not competing against Brother Moline. We'd all like to compete against Brother Moline because of all of us. He has the worst knees. But we're not competing against each other in our race. The beauty of our race is that we we all win. All of us. We win. Each year, at the conclusion of the ancient Grecian Games, a rather unique race, was held. Each participant was given a torch, which was ignited in flames. The rules of the race were simple. Do not allow your torch to go out. The winner was not the runner who finished first. All who finished this race with their torch lit was rewarded. Uh, from this race rose the tradition we see today, the passing of the Olympic flame from one games to the next. So, there were no losers in this race. The only, way, the only way you would not gain a reward for this race was if you let your torch go out. Doesn't that sound like the Christian life? Huh? None of us are going to lose because heaven is to gain. So, we all win regardless of what happens in our life. However, there are rewards for those in the Christian life who run the race that God has set before them and finish the race with their torch still lit. Each of us here today are in this race. It doesn't matter, by the way, if you want to be or not. You, you don't have a choice in this. If you have been born again, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are in this race. And when our time on this earth is done, God will look at how we ran this race. Did we run the race which we were called to run? Uh, in other words, are you running your own race? There's a lot of people who want to run someone else's race, and they're neglecting their own race. So are you running the race that God has called you to run? Uh, did do we run this race lawfully? Do we prepare? For this race? And do, do we finish this race with our torch lit? So today I want, to, I want to try to consider these questions and apply them to our lives as we look at how we run our race for Christ. So first, letter A, I want to look at the cause of our race. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we read, For we are his. Who's his? God for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus see we all come to God through Calvary created in Christ Jesus unto good works so we were we were saved not to continue living lives of sin but we were called we were saved so that we may from henceforth live our life unto good works unto righteousness which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Why are we in this race? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are in this race because God has willed that we be in this race. We run this race for his pleasure, not for ourselves. I'm growing ever weary of the emphasis of the neo-fundamentalists around this country today. Their philosophy is that everything is about man. In other words, they say, God did everything you see just for you. That sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds, that's pleasing to the ear, isn't it? But that's not what my King Bible teaches. My King James Bible teaches. My Bible doesn't teach me that God did all that he did for me. What does it say? Well, in Colossians chapter 1, and verse 16 and 17, we read, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, we read, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, all things means all things. Man is not the focal point of creation. God is. Everything exists for God. Everything exists because of God, and everything exists for God. Some would have us believe today that God did all of this just for me. They would have me believe that I am more important to God than anything else today. And it is this philosophy that has produced a generation of preachers that give God's will lip service and exalt the will of man above the will of God. And it's very subtle. This, is, this has taken place in our nation, and it's so subtle, sometimes if we're not careful, we don't even notice it. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we fall into its trap. And we start thinking about what we deserve, and what we ought to have, and what we need, and what we want, and where we want to be. You better be careful about asking God to give you you what you deserve. You better be very careful about that. You don't want what you deserve. You want the mercy and grace of God, which is giving you what you don't deserve and withholding from you what you do deserve. Uh, these are those that place emphasis on the creature more than the creator. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25, we read, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Now, this has led to a generation of young people that have a skewed vision of God. They have no desire to serve God since their will is just as important as his. You know, you may have noticed I'm getting older. And you may have noticed Brother Moline is getting older. He's he's grown older faster than me, I tell you that right now. Einstein's law of relativity applies in our two lives, I think. We're getting older. And do you know what? It's hard to find young people with a desire to do anything anymore. For God, that is. It's getting really difficult. And why? Well, because young people have been raised to believe that, that they are... They are the first thing on God's mind every day, and that he, everything he does centers around them. It's all about them. They're, they're the most important thing around, and, and God couldn't be happy in heaven and without us, and, and all these things. And, and they finally reached a point where they believe in their, in their subconscious. They believe they're more important than God himself. And as such, they reject a life of servitude to God, placing their will before the Lord. This is evident when people aren't in church. Right? What are you saying? When you're not in church on Sunday, what are you saying? Well, I got something more important to do. Or I got something more important to me to do. We place our will before the will of the Father. Six days shalt thou labor. God gives you six days to do whatever you want to do. But he wants one for himself. Amen? Amen? Oh, I don't think I got a hearty amen there. I'm not here to preach this morning, I'm here to teach. And I want to teach you that the Lord's Day is the Lord's Day. It's not beach day, it's not volleyball day, it's not some other day, it's the Lord's Day. And if you're traveling, make sure you're in church on the Lord's Day, somewhere. You know, here's a unique thing, there are churches all over America. So wherever you go, you can find a church on Sunday and go. And honor God. But that's not in my notes, so I'm going to go back to teaching. But the young people we see today have no desire to serve God since their will is equal to God's in their own mind. The race we run is not ours to choose. It is God's. Each of us run a race today. And by the way, each of us run a different race. For a time, God may bring our courses together, but we still have individual races while we're running side by side. And we don't choose the race we run. God chooses it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 16, we read a moment ago, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So in other words, Paul says, My race is to preach the gospel. That's what I have to do. And shame on me if I don't do it. How we run that race is up to us. So God chooses the race we run and he 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 puts us on the on the course that he wants us to run, but now how we run that race is is up to us in in verse seventeen of first Corinthians, he says, "For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, a dispensation or a, a or a, an appointment of the gospel is committed unto me so in other words, God is going to God's will is going to be done whether you cooperate or not. Do you you understand that? God's will is going to be done with or without your cooperation. Now, if you cooperate, you get a reward. If you don't, you're still going to do it. You're just not going to be very happy doing it, and you'll get no reward for doing it. So we're going to do what God wills us to do, whether we like it or not. This is what Paul stressed. This morning when we read our text verse where he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest it by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So first this morning we, we looked at the cause of our race. But then secondly, I'd like for us to look at the course of our race. Let her be on your study sheets, the course of our race. Now, in our text verses, in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we, re- we read, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, we do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible crown. You see that phrase, is temperate in all things. When athletes are in training, when, when, when Olympic athletes are in training, they, they're, very, they're very regimented in, in what they do, what they eat, how long they sleep, uh, when they exercise, they get into a routine. Chocolate cake is not allowed. That's, by the way. That's why I never entered the Olympics, is because I couldn't have chocolate and cake and chocolate chip cookies. So I said, No, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to compete without me. Um, all those kind of things. They 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 forsake them. They they give them up. Why? Well, because. It will hinder their race. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, we read a moment ago, Paul said, let us lay aside every weight. As we run our race, we're to lay aside the weights and we're to lay aside the things that that hinder us. So, why? So that we can be effective in our race. Races have rules. A runner will be disqualified if he does not race by the rules. I remember several years ago, uh, in a in a, a, a 400 meter dash. Now when you run the 400 meters. You have to stay in your lane. You can't leave your lane. Uh, in an 800 meter or, or higher race. You have to stay in your lane for the first lap. Then on the second lap. You, you can all move in and get on the first lane. And jockey for positions. But in a, in a, in a 100 meter dash. Or, or, or a 200 meter run. Or a 400 meter run. You cannot get out of your lane. And. The whole tape, the whole race is recorded, and they go back and look at it. And I remember that a few years back, the runner of this race, the winner of this race, uh, on the back stretch, wandered into the other runner's lane. Just for a couple of steps and came back, but he was disqualified. And the, the, the gold medal was given to the second place finisher, and so forth. Because he didn't follow the rules in his race. After a race, immediately after the race, everyone gets a blood test, and if any if any um, chemicals are used that are, are banned, any banned si- source, uh, substances, you're disqualified. So there are disqualifying uh, points to every race. Second Timothy chapter two and verse five says, "And if a man also strive for masteries." He is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Now, don't un- misunderstand me this morning. I'm not about to launch off into a set of man-made standards today. What I'm talking about uh, is running our race according to God's principles. This race that we're in, this life that we live for God, has to be lived according to his principles. And what are those? Let's go through some really quickly here. Uh, well, in, first, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, trying to, trying to live our life in, in this, in this, in this, um, uh, spirit of unity, uh, this unity of the Spirit, what do we do? Well, first, we walk in faith. Rule number one in our, in our race as a Christian is we have to walk in faith. Romans 4.12 And the father of circumcision uh, to them who are not of circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised. Faith. First, uh, Our our life must be lived in faith. The just shall live by faith. According to the word of God. In other words, let's get back to doing right regardless of the cost. There are people who, who, who lack the faith to to trust the Lord in their daily walk, in their daily life. And it's because we have a it's because we have a skewed opinion of the will of God. It goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. We have a we have a weak opinion of God's will and and and, and we, we value our own will equal to that of God. And because of that we lack the faith to trust that God will work everything out in our life according to his own will. We lack the, the faith to trust him. It's time we get back to that. We have to trust the Lord and, and do the right thing regardless of the consequences for doing the right thing. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they did the right thing regardless of the consequence. And what was the consequence for disobeying the king? Well, it was to be cast into the fiery furnace. They knew that consequence, yet they trusted God. And they, they lived by their faith, and would not do the wrong thing. And by the way, if you remember the story, they were actually thrown into that furnace, weren't they? But God delivered them, from that furnace. And, and it, it all comes back to this thing of faith. The just shall live by faith. We must walk in faith. Not, not trusting what we see, but trusting what we know to be truth. And that is the Lord God. So first we walk in faith. Next, we walk in newness of life. <clears throat> walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are a new creature. Behold, uh, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. We, We were born again, which means we were remade into the image of Christ. Now, we still dwell with the old nature, but we also have within us the nature of Christ. And we are to walk in that new nature. We're to live our life. We're to make our decisions. We're to, we're to set our, our priorities and values based upon that new life that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) I don't, I don't ever wake up on Sunday morning and, and decide whether I'm going to church today or not. Uh, that's already been decided. That was decided a long time ago. And, and so, we don't, we don't base our decisions from day to day. There are certain things on my job, for instance, if my employer comes to me and says, I need you to do this, my answer is going to be no. Because there are certain things that would violate God's principles, and I won't do that. You say, well, you'll lose your job. So be it. I'll lose my job, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, to, to forsake the Lord For a paycheck. But we have a nation that doesn't value that anymore. So when I stand up and say something like this. People look at me like. "Whoa, Where did he get that? I got that from here. (laughs) Amen. So we walk in newness of life. Thirdly. We walk in love. These are the rules to our race. Faith. Uh, Walk in the newness of life. Walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now, that phrase, as Christ also hath loved us, says it all. I'm to love you, I'm to love all men. I'm to love the Lord as Christ loved me. Jesus, do you realize Christ withheld nothing for us? Nothing. He gave up the glory of heaven to come to earth and be born a sinful man. He he dwelt in this earth, on this upon this earth, and he he suffered and took abuse and and, 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 and suffered want and need. And then when, when he was faced with the decision of, of accepting the cross, he he accepted it because of his love for the Father and because of his obedience to the Father's will, but also because he loved us. Greater love hath no man than this. The man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated his great love for us by withholding nothing from us. Now let me ask you, what are you giving up for him? You know, if you can sit here this morning and, and honestly say, I don't hold anything back from Christ, then praise the Lord. But I think 99.99% of us can't say that. There are things we hold. We withhold, we keep things back because we love them just too much. But we are to walk in love. Love for one another, love for the Father, love for His Word, love for His principles, love for the law, love for truth. We're to walk and love. Uh, next, we're to walk in the light. We're to walk in the light. Ephesians 5.8, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Don't walk in darkness. Don't involve yourself in things that you know are wrong. And by the way, if you're involved in things and you suddenly learn that they're wrong, stop doing them. Get out of them. We've got too many Christians walking right on the edge of, of, of darkness. And far too many fall into it. Most, people, most Christians, when they're walking on, on the fence between light and darkness, when they fall, they don't fall on the side of light. Most of them fall on the side of darkness. So be careful with that. Next, we're to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do we walk in the Spirit? Well, we, we pray, we, we, we study the Word of God, we, we serve the Lord, we, we do all those things, and we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit never leads us into error. I've said this many times. If you wake up and find yourself in the wrong place, you weren't led there by the Holy Spirit. You were led there by your flesh. So tell the flesh to be quiet and follow the Spirit. And by the way, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If you pray and ask God to show you the correct way, the Holy Spirit will answer that prayer. And he will show you. Now, you may not like what you, what you hear. You may not like the answer you get. But he will, if you're a child of God, he will show you the truth. So we walk in the Spirit and then walk in truth. Third John chapter 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Walk in truth. Uh, just, truth is easy to recognize, by the way. Very easy to recognize. And when we see, tr- when we, when we see truth by studying the Word of God, we're to, we're to live our life according to the truth of God's Word. Now, I ran through these very quickly because I don't have time in one lesson. I would need, I would need a, an entire lesson for each one of these if I tried to develop them. So, you go and study these things. And you, you see what they involve and what they entail. But this, these are the rules of our race. This is the course that we're to run. We're to walk in faith. We're to walk in the newness of life. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in light. We're to walk in the spirit. We're to walk in truth. But then lastly this morning, I'd like us to look at, we've seen the cause of our race. We've seen the course of our race. Now I want to look thoroughly at the completion of our race. Again, to, to develop this entire lesson would take me, would take me months. But we don't have that kind of time, so uh, I, I, I encourage you to take the simple outline, the simple outline, and 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 study and find out all about this thing we call the Christian race, the completion of our race. Second Timothy chapter four, verses six and seven. <laughs> Paul says, "For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith." Finishing. Finishing a race. That was always the hardest part. Uh, when you race, the hardest part is, the, is, is finishing it, completing it. When you run, a, when you run like a, especially anything over uh, 100 yards, <laughs> when you come around that last turn, you're winded, can't hardly breathe, your legs are, are trembling, they're weak. Your arms are heavy. When you run, you're supposed to keep your arms up and, and pumping. When you, when you come to the end of a race, your arms are drooping way down here. They're heavy. Your lungs are burning. Your mind is struggling, wanting to quit, yet needing to go on. And here's where all the training comes in. Here's where <coughs> experience takes over. You are totally oblivious to the noise around you. You only hear the footsteps and the breathing of the one on your heels. You dig deep inside of you to find some small portion of strength. Then you look up and you see the finish line getting closer. You see the tape blowing in the breeze. And then you push as hard as you can. And you lean forward for that final push. And you break the tape. You're finished. You've crossed the finish line. Paul, in the scripture I just read, said, For I am now ready to be offered. He said, I have finished my course. You know, I, I, I pray that when the end of my race comes, that I can say that. I pray that I can look at the Lord and I can say, Lord, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I did all that you asked me to do. Now, I can already tell you, I know I won't be able to say that. Because I failed. As hard as I've tried for the last 35 years, there have been times when I failed to do what I should have done. But it's important that we finish strong. It's important. You know, God is a God of forgiveness. And and he never he never gives up on his children. Listen, you may have have lived years of your life outside of the will of God. It's never too late to get back into the will of God. It's never too late to get right. God will always forgive you. He will always cleanse you. It's never too late. Don't finish out of the will of God. Get right with God. Confess your faults. Confess your sins. Forsake the flesh and finish your race strongly. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 and 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If We faint not. Now, if you've squandered most of your race, you may not finish where you want to finish. But, you need to finish. And you need to finish strong. If you fall down in your race, and you stand up and realize the race has left you on and you have no way of, of finishing on top, doesn't matter. Finish that race. I remember Jim Ryan in the Mexico Olympics was coming around the final turn on the, on the mile run, and he was tripped by another runner. The other runner tripped him, accidentally, on purpose, but he tripped him. And Jim Ryan fell to the track, and every other runner passed him by. They ran out there to help him. He stood up, pushed everybody away, and he he finished. He ran to the finish line. And he finished the race. I don't care if you've fallen. I don't care if you got knocked down. I don't know what is. It doesn't matter. Get up and finish your race. And finish it like you were trying to win. He He didn't jog to the finish. He got up and he sprinted to the finish line. Folks, let's just keep going. Amen? God is going to He's going to examine how we run this race that He's given us. Let's give it everything we got. Let's live our lives to His glory, put Him first, and and let's let's run our race stronger. All right, folks. Thanks for being here. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church,